listening to Old New Borrowed Blue on 2SER with your host, Joel Kassam. Welcome to Old New Borrowed Blue here on 2SER. Uh, you can also find us on 2SER.com and on iTunes. Or perhaps if your neighbour has us on really loud, you can listen to us by holding a glass up to the wall. Each week, I'm joined by a very special guest, and they pick four of their favourite songs to play and tell me why. All right, let's find out who we've got this week. My guest today is one of Australia's hardest working opera singers, having been part of Opera Australia's Carmen and the very interesting Chamberpot Opera this year alone. She's also performed in Little Women and La Boheme, and in 2013 was the recipient of the BBM Youth Support Award for Music Performance, which took her all over the world to work with some opera veterans. And now she has just returned from a bunch of massive shows at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Jessica Westcott. Hi, happy to be here. <laughs> Welcome home. Oh, thank you. It's really <laughs> nice to be home. <laughs> How was your trip? It was um, amazing, uh, overwhelming and just long enough. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, it's really nice to be home. You were part of uh, Chamberpot Opera, a show that had a big run here in Australia and then, of course, went over to Edinburgh. For those people who are listening who don't know, what was the show about? So Chamberpot Opera was a sort of really unique concept that was devised by um, a couple of uh, NIDA graduates and they basically wanted to stage an opera in a women's bathroom and they wanted to make it an opera that sort of celebrated feminism and and championed the bathroom. And so we ran it for, like you said, a couple of seasons here in Australia. We did it in Adelaide and we did it in Sydney for two seasons. And it kind of revolves around three girls in a bathroom and they meet each other, solve each other's problems in the bathroom and then never see each other again. But it's actually held in a real bathroom. It's, yeah. not, it's not a stage of a bathroom, it's a real bathroom. That's the thing. It's It's not like... A pretend bathroom where we're just going to set it up on, like you said, a stage or yeah. something. You actually went into a bathroom where yeah. people would want to use the bathroom <laughs> and, and weren't yeah. able to. And in Sydney, we were really lucky because we had the Queen Victoria Building's bathroom, which it kind of was uh, created around. The show was made for the Queen Victoria Building bathroom. Um, but yeah, when we got over to Edinburgh, it was a much smaller space. And of course... I'll talk about all the crazy stuff that happens with this opera, but um, when we're setting up and and setting and packing down from the opera, we constantly have to shoo people away who really want to go to the toilet. Um, yeah, it's just hazards of putting it in an actual bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your character in the show. My character? Um, so none of us have names. So mine was loosely called Woman 3, but... Uh, my character is a really strong, fierce woman, and she, just before the show, had just been given a promotion. Um, she was all dressed up, and she comes into the opera um, ready to celebrate. She's got a bottle of Moe and no cares, so she's she's having a great time. And she's sort of the, um, the, the one who is at odds with all of the drama during the show, and she has to sort of settle down and find out how she can, in her moment of elation, help these other women who are not so happy and are in different stressful parts of their life. So that's the journey she goes through. And she's really fun because I got to create her and so she's a lot like me. Okay. I was going to ask, is it, is it a character that you could base yourself on? Yeah. Yeah. So the great part of this offer is that it's completely created from the ground up. We all put our, you know, 50 cents in and, and got to create our own characters. And we were given really amazing direction by uh, Clem Williams, who is just fantastic. But she let us put our own influence into the characters and, and shape them around 
shape them around a sort of ideal um, and mine definitely reflects <laughs> a lot of who I am but also challenged a lot of my views um, in the opera which was really really great it was fun to play okay let's go back to the beginning where did you grow up and what got you into opera so I grew up uh, on a farm a really big farm out in Parks which is central west New South Wales it's about six hours from Sydney uh, and I you know, I grew up on the, I had to catch a bus that was like an hour and a half into school every day. And um, my family, weirdly, was not a sporting family per se. My dad is really, really big into music. We played at church together and he heads up the local theatre society. So um, I went to the local high school and I was, inst- well, everyone else was kind of doing sports and stuff. I was in rehearsals for the musical per year that Parks Musical and Dramatical Society would put on. Uh, and that was kind of my home. So uh, the M&D Society and the church where I sang with dad every week, those were kind of like my, my two stalwarts of the week. Um, so yeah, got to high school and just kept performing in these things and, and got to, um, got to year 11 and, um, started uh, really thinking that my voice was a lot bigger than I thought it was Um, and I was really lucky to be able to have uh, the opportunity to go to Sydney and study with a singer and a teacher in Sydney who is actually a relation of my dad's small world Um, and then also I had another singing teacher in Dubbo and a really treasured one home in Parks so I sort of would do the rounds between these singing teachers and learn as much as I could from them and by the time I'd left year 12 I did um, music extension and that sort of thing in a really small sort of public high school where I did you know, I sort of outsourced a lot of it. Um, I once had finished that, I sort of thought maybe I'll maybe I'll go study this at uni, and then I went off to Canberra. So, okay. Yeah. And you're you are a soprano now. Yeah. Um, for those playing at home, what is a soprano? <laughs> what is a soprano? So a soprano is essentially just a female voice who sings higher than say average. So you have uh, a, a soprano. And you have, in the opera world, you have a mezzo-soprano, which is commonly known as an alto, sort of in the school choir sort of field. Um, Then, of course, in opera, you also have a true alto, which is a really, really deep sort of sounding um, female voice. And then in the men, you have tenors and basses and baritones and that sort of thing. So I am a soprano. Um, I trained predominantly as a sort of um, subsection of a soprano called a lyric coloratura soprano, um, which for those playing at home is uh, a soprano who has quite a high extension up the top, a lot of agility in the voice, but also the ability to um, thicken their voice sort of halfway down the range. Um Yes, my opera people will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but within the within the opera world, there are classes and subclasses of voices, and um, you sort of when you go overseas, uh, you have to stick very firmly to your subclass uh, when you do auditions and things. So okay. that was my subclass per se. <laughs> um, and you you studied at the Con, yep. Conservatorium of Music. Yep. How did you find that? Was it was it a great experience it was, for you? It was wonderful. I actually started in Canberra. So I went, my mum, when I graduated high school, said, you can go to Canberra or Canberra for uni because we were from a small country town and Sydney was just way too overwhelming. Um, so I did my undergrad in Canberra and really, really loved it there. But at the end of my time, um, I did music and languages there. At the end of my time, um, there was a sort of big controversy at the School of Music where the vice chancellor took all of the money out of the School of Music, some $9 million, I believe, and put it into the medical school, which basically left all of the students at the School of Music without an ability to finish their degree, without any teaching staff, uh, and de- certainly no resources. All of the resources were pretty much taken out of the building. So that was towards the end of my third year. So I basically... I was planning to do an, an honours year there, but I sort of just had to cut my losses, um, graduate with a three degree, 
uh, and moved to Sydney, where luckily I was offered a spot at the con in their honours program. So I kind of just came straight into honours uh, in Sydney. So I did honours um, there and it was really, really wonderful. The The community atmosphere is very different. Um, it's it's obviously very, very high standard in Sydney, very competitive standard, but the teaching is wonderful and um it's, it sort of puts you in the right mindset if you want to do this as a career, which I okay. really appreciated. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I wanted to ask you about your views on opera, though. Yeah. Um, particularly nowadays, where do you think opera is going and what direction would you like <laughs> it to go? This is a really sticky question. I Personally, I have a love-hate relationship with opera. I love uh, the opportunities that it has given me. I love the essence of the art form and I love the creativity of the people involved and certainly everyone in the community but I don't necessarily agree with a lot of what opera stands for and what some of what opera is trying to um, accomplish so um, there are some companies overseas for instance that are trying to modernize the art form there are certainly thousands and thousands of productions that are trying to modernize old operas and I actually some of them are quite successful but I personally don't think that the opera world has done enough to make what they are doing relevant for people my age, 25. They haven't made them relevant for the people my age who are studying the art form, let alone the people who just want to go along. Um, so I am very starting to become more vocal in championing that idea of not saying this, we're going to make this more modern so you will come along, but we're still going to charge 200 bucks a ticket. I'm very much of the idea of meeting like today's generation where they are at, so in a bathroom, for instance, um, and building up from there and going, hey, look, we are a beautiful art form. We've got a long history, but we want to meet you where you are. And and I think that opera is so wonderful. It's it's such a passionate art form and it doesn't have to die and I don't think it will. It just needs to, uh, it needs to just lower itself a little bit. And that doesn't have to mean quality or opportunities or fewer people going to watch. It can just, it can just, you know, take the stick out for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Actually, I really agree with those views. And I think, you know, it's almost like a generational thing that the older generation know we're going to stick to the old ways. Definitely. But you're like, no, 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 you know, it's 2017. Yeah. We've got to move it into the real world now yeah. and, and, and grow up. I, I, yeah. I think they're great views. Yeah. It kind of, I had this thought the other day that the opera world to me kind of sounds, feels like the, the sort of feeling of it is of like a 50-year-old dad trying to talk street talk with a kid. Instead, let a, you know, 30-year-old talk to that kid or I don't know. I don't know yeah. what the metaphor is, but that was kind of no, what the works. feeling is. Yeah. I understand. Like I moment. see your dad going, yeah, I'm, I'm hip, I'm cool, What's you know. What's up in the hood? You yeah. Know? Like, dad, No. <laughs> Not in front of my friends. Exactly. um, We have to get into your new song to start the show. Yeah. What have you gone with? So I have gone with, um, so when I was finishing high school, I started to realise that I could sing opera. And the main um, sort of catalyst of that was I performed in a local community uh, variety show and I sang this song, which is called 14G by Kristen Chenoweth. And in this song, Kristen Chenoweth is one of my idols, by the way, uh, she has to perform the role of a Broadway singer a jazz singer and an opera star and people would come up to me and say, that opera bit, you're pretty good at that. (laughs) Just moved in to 14G So cosy, calm and peaceful Heaven for a mouse 
voices with just one singer that is incredible now jessica do you remember your first performance yes yes i do uh so like i said i performed with my dad a lot my dad is uh a great entertainer and i have learned a lot from him um when i was i think two and a half three maybe uh i sort of wandered onto stage uh while he was playing his 12 string guitar and dad picked me up and we sang a song called A You're Adorable which just goes through the alphabet B you're so beautiful C you're a cutie full of charm I still remember the whole thing uh, but halfway through the performance I took the microphone off dad and sang the rest of the song into the microphone because it was my microphone was, <laughs> so I mean there's absolutely no se- like resemblance of what I would turn out to be it's just <laughs> totally <laughs> off the bat showman from yeah age three <laughs> okay so that was age three you're now 25 yes. what are some shows that people may have seen you in um, well, uh, I did um, I did two years of touring with, I guess what definitely the most people would have seen me in, is I did two years of touring with Opera Australia's schools program um, in 2014-15. And we visited 50,000 children, I think, over two years. So if you're talking, if there's some kids listening to this show and they go to a New South Wales private, uh, public school, they would have seen me in Cinderella in 2014 and uh, Hansel and Gretel playing Gretel in 2015. So... Uh, yeah, that was so much fun. Uh, I also did earlier this year um, Carmen on the Harbour, which was just super great. I was in the chorus for that, and that was just fireworks and everything. Um, and I don't know, Chamber Pot Opera. <laughs> There's, I've done everything. You've, I'm sure you know who I am. I'm very famous. <laughs> <laughs> I know who you are. That's why I got you in here. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> uh, okay, we'll talk about Carmen just quickly because yeah. that was a massive show. That was it's on huge. the Harbour. Yeah. How was that like? Performing there, performing there. It was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was, it was, was it every night for? Yeah, for a month. So it was, it was amazing. It was sort of it, the biggest show I would say in Australia, potentially in Australian history, is the Opera on the Harbour series. Um, certainly the most expensive for the company to put on. Um, but I did, yeah. I was in the ensemble, and it was incredible. We rehearsed out in Olympic Park. Um, we had, we had tanks flying that were attached to cranes that would just uh, sail over the back of the set and onto the stage. We had like a full tank and a full truck, uh, as well as one of the characters uh, was strapped up to the crane himself. I actually, um, in the after party for opening night, decided I would make, I had a sort of a mission. I was like, I'm going to be strapped to that crane before the end of the season. I don't know who I have to be friends with, but I will make sure I find them. So in the after party of opening night, I went and found a guy called Fetu. <laughs> he apparently is the crane guy. So I introduced myself to him. I made friends with him that night. I was like, right, so tell me when to come and see you. And anyway, long story short, and I got to actually fly on the crane with two 360 cameras taped to my hands, <laughs> <laughs> flying over Sydney Harbour about 100 metres above um, the stage. Oh, maybe not that much, 50 metres. Uh, and it was incredible. That was the coolest thing I think I did during the season. That's so amazing. Yeah. Did you keep get to keep the footage? I did. I've got all the footage. Yeah? It's, yeah, it's, it's really cool. If anyone wants to see it, then come see me. <laughs> got a lot of selfies up there too. <laughs> So before you go out on stage, you obviously have to warm up and whatnot, mm-hmm. but do you ever have any sort of pre-show rituals? Um, I think for me, uh, it's mainly just making sure I have 
energy. So I don't have any real pre-show rituals except um, just don't have a big meal. Uh, they say that there's stuff that you can't really eat before you sing. I don't think that's a thing. I just think that you probably just shouldn't eat before you sing because you'll just spit stuff at people. Um, but no, I just make sure that I have enough energy, which is normally because when I get to the end of the day, which is when a performance is, especially when I was touring with the school's company, uh, it's very sort of mentally and physically exhausting up until the moment you get up on stage and then you have to make sure that that's the peak of your day uh, and have you have the most energy there. So I'll go for a run or I'll um, have a coffee. <laughs> okay. Coffee plays a huge part in my career. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Uh, tell us about the BBM Youth Support Award that you won. Yeah, that was great. Um, so BBM is a company in Sydney and they are – well, actually, they're, they're from the UK. They are a um, collaborative venture between um, – a place in London and a place in Sydney called BBM. And um, they like to give young um, Australians the chance to go to the UK specifically, but overseas, and pursue whatever it is they're good at. So there is also a BBM award for dancing and acting and uh, agriculture and um, carpentry. So if you're a young person under the age of 22 and you have you know an interest in one of these things, then definitely check out the website because they're awesome, awesome people. Um, yeah, so I won the music award for the year and they were like, here's a bunch of money, go to the UK, go and do whatever you want. So I went over there, I found um, Australian operatic legend uh, Yvonne Kenny and I studied with her for a little while. Um, and yeah, I went to New York, uh, I went all around Europe, uh, but one of this big trip and met so many people and just got so many people's opinions about my voice, but also advice on careers in opera and um the element of creativity and making your own and entrepreneurship in opera. And that was what I really uh, appreciated about the entire experience was the ability to meet people who said, you don't have to wait for other people to give you a career. You just make a career. Um, and that was really great. That's so cool. Yeah. And you have been all over the world because of singing, right? You've been to London and New York, as you yeah, said, yeah. Uh, Salzburg, San Francisco, <laughs> Scotland. Um, yeah. That's pretty nice. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> it's great. I feel like, I feel like, uh, if I have gone a year or, or maybe a year and a half without going overseas for something, I sort of get a bit itchy. So I have to go and pursue something. But no, I've been really lucky in that I've um, gone overseas for, I've done summer programs overseas. I've done um, sort of little operas overseas and stuff. And uh, it's, it's yeah, always been on the back of wonderful people in Australia who have been able to send me over there. So um, yeah, I've had a great time so far. <laughs> Are there any um, people in the opera world that you look up to or... That you admired? Definitely, yeah. So there's one lady in particular, her Mm -hmm. name's Joyce Didnato, and I think a lot of um, uh, my opera singing friends who are listening to this would also appreciate. She is an American mezzo-soprano, and she is the champion of the 21st century opera singer, and she's incredible. If if you YouTube her, Joyce Didonato, um, you'll see that she runs masterclasses with young students and actually gives them real advice on their singing. Not just like, you should lift your soft palate or you should think about your lover while you're singing this song, but actual genuine stuff. Um, and she's a young soul and, and she's fantastic. I, I really aspire to, I aspire to have her um, enthusiasm for everything that I do. Um, in my career because she's very inspirational. You mentioned uh, a lot of shows before. Have have you ever done a role where you were just completely, um, it just affected you on a a personal level? Has that Um, ever happened? It has. I think, honestly, that the one that has most done that has been in Chamberpot. Um, Because it's such an intimate show, there's nowhere to hide. Like the, the brilliant and sort of, I guess, arresting part about opera is that you are so far away from the people singing. Uh, because you have to be, because their voices are so 
freaking loud. Yeah. So um, they don't have to really act well. They can kind of park and bark. They can stand and sing and they don't have to do anything. But chamber pot opera puts you in a bathroom with 25 people that are meters from your face. There's nowhere to hide. You have to really be in the moment. And I was with two girls uh, who were both are both NIDA trained actresses. So they were years beyond me in their acting abilities. So I felt very out of my depth. Um, but their commitment to actually feeling the intensity, and it is an intense show, the intensity every night uh, was really sort of, yeah, I, at the beginning, very hard for me to deal with because I thought, oh, I, I could just sing my way through this. But no, I actually had to be there, be in the moment. I mean, one of the characters uh, tries to commit suicide and you have to be there in that moment. And so that, I think, was very hard and very, um, yeah, emotionally, I don't know, it, it was a good thing for me to have gone through um, that experience because in opera, a lot of the time... Um, you're playing characters which really have no relevance in today's today's basis. There are a lot of um, what we call Inas because they're always called Amina or Pamina or Despina. Um, and they are usually, they, they're, they're faceted, multifaceted characters, but underneath they are just girls and there was no feminism back when they were written. So you kind of are playing these sort of flappy little girls and have to laugh at what the men say and then you die at the end. Um, not in the case of the Inas, but you do, you die at the end. And it was really nice to play something where you triumph. Uh, and that was the difference for me, I think. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, we have to move on to your new song now. Mm. What have you picked and why? So I picked uh, Nonstop from Hamilton. Uh, Hamilton is a musical. If you haven't heard of it, look it up. Uh, it's written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who won a Tony last year, won every Tony last year for it. And it is an incredible musical. It's mostly told in rap. Um, which might put you off if you're not a fan of rap, but please, I implore you, if you're a fan of the English language, go and listen to Hamilton, especially this. I picked this one especially because um, I personally, I love words and I love people who write clever things with words. Um, and every time I listen to this song, I hear another clever thing that Lynn has done when he wrote it. And Lynn not only wrote this, but he also stars as Alexander Hamilton and is the one singing this song. I am not thrown away my shot. I am not thrown away my shot. Hey, yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy and hungry and I'm not thrown away my shot. To King's College. I probably shouldn't brag, but dag, I'm amazed and astonished. The problem is I got a lot of brains, but no polish. I got a holler just to be Done. <laughs> uh, let's talk about life outside of singing. Um, you also did uh, some content for a few publications. Yes, I did. Yeah, I worked for a company called 7th Street Media during the year, um, which is really great, just making online videos, which is something that I love to do. I have a YouTube channel and love making YouTube videos, so it's not very successful to get excited. <laughs> but yeah, no, I love, um, I love creating, and that was a, a really great job for me to be able to create uh, content and get a little um, view into the world of journalism and um, yeah really great guys so that's that's fun it's fun to do what were you were you sort of 
did you interview people? Was it? Yeah, did all sorts of things. Interviews with um, artists mainly. Like um, one of the publications was Tone Deaf, which is a sort of online-based alternative music newspaper. And we did sort of interviews with people there. And um, we started up a new, um, a new sort of Twitter, Facebook group called Don't Bore Us, um, which sort of amassed four hundred thousand followers in the time that I was there. Um, and it's pop culture. It's just pretty much all um, Five Seconds of Summer, Ariana Grande. Re- they really like my chemical romance for some reason. Um, and that was great. Just coming up with memes for uh, for work is is fantastic. And I think everyone should try it. Absolutely. <laughs> what a cool job. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned earlier, you hold a Bachelor of Languages. Yeah. As well, in two languages. In two languages, French and German. Yeah. How did that come about? Um, well, I I really wanted to study languages. I've always loved them. Um, like I said earlier, I love words and I love literature and reading and stuff. So uh, I always wanted to learn languages, but they didn't really offer them in my high school because I went to a local public high school. Um, I believe they offered French for one semester in year nine and Indonesian, which I didn't really have much use for. Um, so, yeah, so I went to Canberra and I was pretty insistent on doing the double degree there and, and uh, French I just always had a fascina- fascination for, so... I majored in French and did a minor in German. Actually, it turns out the German's been more helpful because <laughs> there's a lot more going on in Germany for opera than there is in France. Okay, so you've been to Germany for yeah, opera? Yeah, many times. Okay. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've not done any productions there, but I've done a lot of um, singing. There's a lot of great teachers in Berlin and Munich that I that I love. I've done a, um, a week, a three-week-long summer school in Austria called the Tyrolean Opera Program, which was really, really great. Um, and it was majority American, a couple of Austrians, one Latvian. Um and that sort of uh, gave me a base in Austria to go to every time I, I head over. So, um, yeah, that's there's there's a lot of a lot of German in my life every time I go overseas, and I'm still too scared to have deep conversations in it. But I can I can order you dinner. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know I said I was going to get away from singing, but it's okay. Yeah, the thing is, like a lot of operas, or I'd say a majority of operas, are written in other languages. Absolutely, yeah. You know, Italian, for yeah. example. Um, so would, do you think, did you find that helped? Definitely. I think actually now thinking about it, that was probably the um, reason I decided to do that at the same time. It definitely was a, um, a helping factor. I, I sing majority, the majority of the stuff that I do in other languages. Um, but all of the work I've had apart from Carmen has been in uh, operas in English. So, um, it, it is. There's a great history of Italian opera. Um, Mozart wrote some incredible German operas. My personal favourite stuff is always French. Um, I just love French opera because it's just, uh, it's delicious. It's the only sort of word you use when you, you listen to it. But um, it was the music that I stumbled upon myself. So uh, I didn't have a music teacher tell me to go and listen to a thing or I didn't, you know, I didn't have any friends tell me that, you know, you should listen to Mozart or whatever. I found French music, French opera myself, and I fell in love with it that way. So um, that's, yeah, that's why I kept up with the French, I think. <laughs> it's been great. Did you study at the School of Clowning? I did. I did a short course. Okay. Yeah, yeah, at Lecoq. So and they, what does that, that involve? Was, that, was in, that was in Sydney, actually. Um, that is like a lot of... Um, spontaneity and just just it's a lot of improv to be honest okay. like it's it's based around improv i love i love improv as well um and yeah it's just it's it it was great there were uh, there were classes um uh in in the art of the joke and there were classes in physicality um and yeah it was really good i i am a very physical performer and i did it just prior to starting the school's program which is performing for kids so it's high energy all the time which i normally have no problem with but there's sort of a a way where energy can become sort of 
all over the place. And when you focus it, that's when it's funny. So that's a lot what I learned with with Lecoq is that if you focus your energy, you can actually have more more of an effect than if you're just running around helter skelter on stage. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. A little birdie told me that you plan on one day writing a autobiography <laughs> and calling it She'll Be Right. She'll Be Right. <laughs> <laughs> What's with the title? Uh, yeah, I think that that's kind of my life in a statement. She'll be right. I don't know. I grew up on a farm and that's very much the the sort of ooh, thesis of being on the farm is you find a problem and, I mean, she'll be right, but you like you just fix it. So, um, and yeah, it's it's kind of, I fall over a lot. I'm a very clumsy human. Um, I sort of, I sort of navigate my way through life with just a sort of, she'll be right. I'll just, it'll be fine. I'll just wing it. It's great. I think you should definitely do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You mentioned earlier your your dad played some instruments. Yeah. I guess you came from a musical family. Yeah, definitely. Do you play anything else other than sing? I do. I, I play and teach guitar, piano and flute. Um, also have had a love of the drums for about 15 years or something. Um, in Parks, we have um, – Parks is a town of maybe 20,000 people, but every January there is the Elvis Festival, which shoots the population up to something like fifty or 60,000. Uh, and it's just ridiculous. It's the most ridiculous festival. But every year for my high school, uh, we would – our church would hold a gospel service um, where we were all uh, – we would all dress up in Elvis costumes and that sort of thing. Um, and I would play the drums for that. So I was involved. Elvis taught me how to drum, I guess. <laughs> That's long and, short of it. and if you weren't a singer, what do you think you would have done? I don't know. I think that the answer to that changes every year. Yeah. Um, I, I am always going to be a performer. I think in some aspects, I love bringing smiles to people's faces by just being a doof. So, um, <laughs> I guess I guess something on television or um, – but as I get older, that certainly would have definitely been my answer when I was sort of 18, 19. But as I get older, I, I think I'm drawn more to the creation side of things. So I don't really mind what I would do outside of opera just so long as I'm creating stuff. As yeah. I'm, my sort of um, motto these, these days is um, just make a hat. There's a sort of saying which I can never remember verbatim, but it goes something along the lines of if you have the resources uh, and the want – to make a hat, then make a hat and everyone will just see that it's a hat and they'll put it on. That's not actually how it goes, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's my sort of paraphrased version of it. But that's the kind of idea. I like the idea of finding a bunch of people and just making a thing, just like we did with Chamber Pot. We just made it and then everyone was like, oh yeah, the opera in the bathroom. We know that thing. So yeah, I'll just keep doing that, I guess. Cool. <laughs> Um, we have to move on to your borrowed song now. Oh, yeah. What have you gone with? This is, there's not too much backstory in this one. This okay. is uh, Panic at the Disco. I was a huge Panic at the Disco fan when I was in high school and a friend got me onto them. So that's why it's borrowed. <laughs> uh, I get to say this is Panic at the Disco on 2 as the R. Yay. Substandard motels on the Corner of 4th and Fremont Straight appealing only because they're just that unappealing Cross themselves upon until the rooms have a hint of asbestos and maybe just a dash of formaldehyde and the habit of decomposing. Right before you're very Dress 
houses and sleeping with the roaches and the taking of shelter sheets and before all the stains and I'd be more ideally sleeping Fanny get the disco there, build God, then we'll talk. My guest today is soprano opera singer Jessica Westcott. Uh, Jessica, have you ever thought about moving into musical theatre? Yeah, of course. Um, musical theatre was sort of my love and uh, it turns out that my voice was better at opera than music theatre. I think that if I had a naturally incredible belt, then perhaps my career would have gone a bit differently. But uh, yeah, definitely. I think um, these days, as there are more music theatre pieces, musicals, they're called, that are coming to Sydney, there's more opportunities for opera singers to uh, diversify their talents and be able to do stuff. So, you know, there's stuff like Fan- uh, Phantom of the Opera and Sound of Music and stuff that is written for classically trained voices. Um, but not only that, I just I think it's so important for opera singers to be able to sing more than just opera because there's just not enough work. So uh, I, it would be silly of me to just, you know, focus on one thing and hope to have, you know, a full career on it. So, um, yeah, I'd absolutely welcome any any music theatre producers out there who'd like a soprano. I'm very funny, so put me on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you about work. Is it hard to find as a singer, particularly an opera singer? Yeah, I mean, there's a ladder. So there's like sort of any other difficult career opera less so in music theater opera has more of a ladder so you start off with your undergrad and then you do your masters and then you um do in australia the competition circuit is very um uh very influential and very important in an opera singer's career so if you do the competition circuit enough hopefully uh you will fight be in the finals some of these competitions in uh in Australia, the f- all you need to do is get into the finals and they will give you a full scholarship overseas. Um, there's usually six finalists, that sort of thing. So um, that's usually the circuit. And then uh, you just try and find work wherever possible. I'm a big believer in making your own opportunities. So um, I'm constantly looking out for any anybody who I can collaborate with uh, to make new stuff. Another thing that I really believe in is, is performing uh, is such a selfish art form which is fine because it's meant to be um, but it's such a selfish art form that it it makes sense for singers to put aside some time in their life to give back so I at the moment I'm in a place of really wanting to grab as much talent as I can and take it out to rural New South Wales and actually give the singers the upcoming singers there the high school aged singers or musicians or actors or whatever the ability to um, meet a mentor or some, someone like that, someone that they can go, wow, she's doing the thing that I had a dream about doing last night. That's cool. How do I become her? You know, we never got that sort of um, immediacy with mentors when I was growing up. So that's what my focus is at the moment. And if I can build a career that uh, collaborates that sort of um, outreach with performing um, in and of itself, then that would be just a wonderful life. Yeah, that would be really amazing. Yeah. Okay, so if you're not singing, mm-hmm. what are you doing? I like video games. I like uh, YouTube, like watching YouTube. Um, and I love driving. I just have always driven and I love driving. I love going out to the country where I grew up um, and and just travel generally. I know that's a really <laughs> bland answer, but I just love, I love getting out of Sydney and going and seeing stuff and seeing people and... Um, and I like to take photos too. I, yeah. I'm a, I'm a serial and compulsive documenter of everything. I would take 20 photos for the occasion that only needed one. So <laughs> yeah, I'm that's, the same. Yeah, <laughs> that's, what, that's what I do. I just take photos of stuff and yeah. What yeah. about, what, what would be your perfect Sunday afternoon? Um, well, I'm 
I'm living in a really great suburb at the moment. So my perfect, and it's right next to a like a Harris Farm market. So um, I'd love to like go and get some lunch things, make some lunch, uh, and then just chill with some friends, watch a movie, um, and then go and do an escape room at night. <laughs> yes, escape room. I love room. escape rooms. They're the best. If you've never done an escape room, Google it. They're so, so much fun. I've done so many of them now. <laughs> That's they're a, they're my favorite favorites. thing. Yeah, yeah, they're my favorite thing. So you mentioned mentoring. What, what, where do you see your future? If, if you're not uh, mentoring, or if you're not singing, perhaps. Yeah, I think I honestly, at this point, see um, see my future as a combination of a bunch of different things. So I definitely want to see a huge part of my life in um, in mentoring and teaching. I I currently have about thirty students that I teach, um, and I love them so so much. They bring me so much joy. Um, so teaching and mentoring in that way, um, and then also um, creating performances. So whether it be something like Chamber Pot or whether it be writing my own or um, who knows. But I, I just know that they're the two avenues that I want to keep pursuing and keep um, growing but never kind of losing sort of my touch in them. You know, I never really want to be the product of, of someone's idea of, of what my art form should be or what my career should look like. I'll just keep doing stuff that I agree with and then opportunities will come from there. I've never, never been short of opportunities and I don't think I will be because I, if I, if I am, I just make them. So I'll just go, just put on a tour or put on a concert or whatever. That's but a fantastic yeah, outlook. Yeah, that's what I like I to do. Yeah. Um, and are there any shows that you are just dying to do? Um, I mean Hamilton, but I will never, I'll never be in Hamilton. Uh, there is one opera that I would love to sing in, and it's an opera called Manon. And I actually think that it would work really well as a music theatre piece, but I've patented that, so nobody stole that idea. Um, yeah, I would love to be in Manon. It's just the most heart-wrenching, incredible opera. Um, but I'd also just love to be in something really cheesy like Fern with the Opera. I think I would, I would kill that. I'd be so good in that. Yeah? So, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'd love to do. Well, if anyone's out there listening... Jessica is available yes. for... Uh... <laughs> or Wicked. I could do Wicked. Oh, but Wicked. I feel like Wicked is very 10 years ago. So if there's a there's a 2017 version of one of those operas, then count me in. <laughs> Give Jessica a call. Yeah. Jessica, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you it's very been much. so much fun. Yeah. Um, it's been lovely having you in. Welcome back as well. Thank you. <laughs> it's good to have you back in Sydney. Um, you have to take us out now with your blues song. Oh, so this is quite apt. Um talking about Welcome Home. This song is called Australia by Gyroscope and it's very like early 2000s whiny pop. Um, But it makes me cry every time I listen to it or I would listen to it uh, weirdly on the plane on the way home from overseas every time I would fly overseas. Uh, And it just makes me love Australia every more, every time I hear it a bit more. So yeah. Thanks Jess. Thank you. When I washed up on the shore I could breathe a little more Than I would realise You can call me crazy You can call me what you will You could take the bitter pill If it helps you sleep at night It's a long, long way My crooked friend Such a long, long way Back home